lift up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locust to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. These things right now are happening all across the earth on an unprecedented scale. We are seeing no rain, extreme drought in many places of the world right now. South Africa, my own home country, has been suffering extreme droughts where the citizens are sending meat themselves, donating directly to the farmers so they can be helped. In California, within the United States, the drought there is now the worst it's been in the last 150 years. We also had the drought in Australia, causing the famous recent Australian wildfires. And then, of course, at the beginning of this year, we had the rumors of wars, which scripture also warns us about with between US and Iran. We have locusts devouring Africa. We have a plague of locusts that has recently started in Kenya. It's the worst it's been in at least 70 years. It has now also traveled to uh, Ethiopia as well as Somalia. And of course, probably most famously, the one that you most certainly have heard about is this pestilence known as the coronavirus, which started in the beginning of this year in China and since has been spreading to the rest of the world. And when we look at these things, it's easy to say, oh, well, there's always been droughts. Oh, well, there's always been disease. Oh, well, there's always been. But it's not been at this scale all at once in this manner right now. And so listen, I need you to pay attention to this video because I've been seeking the Lord on this. He's been speaking to me about this since December. And I want to share with you what he is saying, because many believers forget the people who do not believe in God. The people who do believe are being deceived. They do not understand the nature of these events. And I need you to understand them because it is important as we enter this season of the spring festivals of God. That is the festival of Passover and unleavened bread and first fruits, followed by the festival of Pentecost or Shavuot. As we enter this season, there is a responsibility on each believer that God is calling not right now in this time. So within this video, we are going to be talking about a few very important things. We're going to talk about the prophetic and spiritual significance of the events that I just mentioned. We're going to talk about why this is happening. What is really happening? What is truly happening past what we simply see here? We are also going to talk about what is the biblical response supposed to be from believers. There is a lot of confusion right now. There's a lot of imbalance. A lot of people are panicking. There's a lot of people who are careless. There's a lot of people who are way all over the place in terms of their emotional 
disposition. And we need to see what is our biblical disposition? What is it? How are we supposed to be reacting? We're also going to be talking about the whole idea of quarantine and also quarantine versus going out to pray and, and pray for the sick. There are many people who are criticizing churches for closing or things like that. We're going to talk about what does the Bible teach regarding these situations. And so I want to just put a disclaimer out here as I move into this. Many people will watch and listen to this video saying, PD, yes, yes, but we don't want to cause fear. We don't want to cause so we don't talk about any of these things. And I've heard this said by believers themselves. Oftentimes, I want to remind you of the story of Noah. When God came to Noah and told him that there is a coming judgment on the world, Noah went out and told the people and the people didn't consider the words of Noah. They, they didn't want to hear what he had to say. Why? Because they were afraid of his words, because it meant that they need to get, give up their lives, their way of comfort, their way of they've been the way they've been doing things, etc. And so they, rather they would just sweep whatever he say under the rug and they would not take it to heart. It is actually the people who turn a blind eye who are more afraid of the thing. That's why they're turning a blind eye to it. What we need to do as believers is not turn a blind eye, but investigate, have wisdom, look at what the father is saying, not to have fear because we are not afraid because we only fear God, but to have wisdom so that we know, hey, there is a boat that needs to be built. Hey, there is a boat that we need to get into because you can be a believer in the day of Noah and say, yes, but God will save me. I don't need to worry about the coming flood. God is not going to let that happen to me. But God is actually giving you wisdom by the Holy Spirit that you need to open yourself up to so that you can understand you need to build a boat and get on it to save your soul. Otherwise, you will die in the flood with the unbelievers because you turned a blind eye, even though you were a believer, but you turned a blind eye to these things because you are so comfortable in this world. You need to be careful to not take so much comfort in this world that you start throwing these warnings aside. I am not today here to invoke fear and I will not be doing so as you'll see as I go along. But I will be telling you things that will put fear in you if you do not understand who your God is. And so in this video, I will also be reminding you as we go along who our God is and how we are supposed to be thinking about these things biblically. Okay, there is a action that's twofold of having faith in God and that he will save us just like Noah did. But also that faith in God means that we will have works that follow us because God will then tell us how to help ourselves, how to say, how to be saved. Okay. And that's what we need to do is okay. We're going to have faith in God and we're going to have the works. We're going to actually put our faith into works because if Noah just said, I believe, I believe this warning, but I'm not going to build a boat. He would have died with everyone else. Okay, so brothers and sisters, let's move ahead right now. So the first thing we need to discuss is where we are in this season right now. Where are we on God's biblical calendar? God's biblical calendar is marked by his feast days that he has given us. And right now we are right before the feast of Passover, the very beginning of the spring feast of God. And this is very significant as you'll soon understand, because 3500 ish years ago, we 
have Israel in the same position. They are in Egypt, in the world. All right. And, and while they're there, we have the, the famous plagues that God sends upon Egypt. And these plagues strike the Egyptians. It strikes the Egyptians animals. It strikes Pharaoh himself. And ultimately, though, it doesn't really touch the Israelites. The Israelites are viewing from afar what's happening, but they are safe. They were safe under certain conditions. And what I mean by that is they didn't get this safety by just believing in God. They actually had to put their faith into action. And the Israelites who did not believe enough to put that faith into action would not have been saved. Israel had to put the blood on their doorposts. They had to be in their homes. That was one of the conditions, for example. And so in the same way, there are conditions, even as believers, that we need to follow so that we can be spared from the plagues that are poured out on the world. In this teaching soon, we will be discussing those further. But before we do, we need to really ask the question of what is going on. Why are these things happening right now? With Egypt 3,500 years ago, God struck them with plagues, with a message. This message was, let my people go. God was striking Pharaoh with the plagues so that he would let Israel go. That was the main message of God that went along with these plagues. And I want to submit to you that today we are seeing the same thing. The things that we are discussing, these plagues, these things that the the locusts, the pestilence, the all these things happening are judgments from God on this world right now. I know many people may think, oh, there it's spiritual warfare or it's this or that thing. Brothers and sisters, these are judgments from God. As we read in the verse that we read in the beginning of this video in 2 Chronicles 7, we read that he says that when I shut up the heavens, when I send locusts, when I send pestilence, when these things happen, which are all happening at this moment, then you need to understand you need to humble yourself, pray and ask for forgiveness. Why does he say that? Because there is judgment. The wrath of God is starting on this earth. Am I saying that this is the end of the world? No. Am I saying that this is the beginning of the great tribulation? No, I am not saying these things. Okay, it is not the end yet. There are many things that still need to happen for that. But what we are seeing is we are seeing God's wrath and judgment, his flame stirring up against this earth because he is saying to the nations, let my people go. And you will soon see that all the nations, especially the ones who've been impacted first by the coronavirus, are guilty of this very thing. They are are holding God's people captive, either by oppression, lies and in other ways, which I'm going to talk to you about now. We have, for example, China, who where this outbreak apparently started. Okay, in China, we just had them in December and January intensify their persecution against Christians. The Chinese communist government has been 
saying that they are going to be rewriting the Bible with their party ideals. They are also ramping up persecution against house churches and underground churches. And this has been ramped up to an extreme coming into 2020. And that is where the virus started. Then we have uh, the virus traveling to Iran. Okay, Iran at the same time, same thing. Great persecutor of Christians and Iran. It is that there is killings of, of believers happening. It is it is heartbreaking what is happening there right now. And then we have the virus spreading to um, Italy. And in Italy, we have a great number of cases and unfortunate deaths right now. Okay, and there we have, for example, the spirit of religion. That is where the spirit of religion reigns from. You need to understand that there is principalities. Okay, we are battles not against flesh and blood, but against dark principalities. And these principalities rule over nations and lands, and they even have headquarters. They have places where they are have their their home bases, if you will, where it there it mainly rules from. Catholicism, the Vatican the, is where uh, in Rome, Italy, okay, is where that spirit of religion really rules from. From there on out, it spreads and all across the world um, in the form of that spirit of religion, that spirit of and what I mean by spirit of religion is something that I'm going to be doing a separate teaching on soon. But in, in a sentence, the spirit of religion is essentially a spirit that is against the spreading of the gospel, against spiritual gifts, against movings of the Holy Spirit. It's basically all for a lukewarm Christianity and being lukewarm believers. Those who God says in Revelation, he will spit out of his mouth. Um, and it's not and it's it, it hates um, actual on fire. Um, believers. Okay. The Pope actually just before things got bad announced that um, proselytizing is wrong and we're not allowed there. Catholics and anyone who follows Catholicism or him are not allowed to um, convert people. Basically, you're not allowed to um, spread the gospel is really what he is saying, which is totally against the gospel and the Great Commission and of itself. And so within Catholicism, the problem is, is that this spirit of religion actually takes captive and it takes God's people's captive to serve that lukewarm version of the gospel, which is a counterfeit, which is not the true gospel, instead of being disciples of Christ who leave their whole lives and everything behind to follow him. And this is actually a captivity. It's a bondage that the spirit of religion brings upon people. And so next, I want to then talk about um, Africa because brothers and sisters, I mean, I I come from Africa myself. I come from South Africa and I know what the issue is. We have in Africa the locusts right now. We have the coronavirus and I, and I pray and I hope that it doesn't get worse. But there are already reports of community spread there and these things Brother sister, these things are judgments. These things are judgments because of the witchcraft there. Okay, so next up is America and America is the last country that I'm going to be talking about in this video that I am going to be talking about the specifics. America is right now especially important to me, 
just because um, there was something significant that happened to me in December. On the 26th of December, I got woke up in the middle of the night and I got woke up with God speaking words into my heart that I had to immediately write down. And at the time, I didn't know what to do with them yet. I hadn't understood what was coming yet. I didn't understand what the significance was yet. But today I'm going to be reading to you what the father spoke to me, because these are the words to America. And these are the words that are connected to these um, plagues. Okay, brothers and sisters, I am going to say things as they are in this video. And it's not supposed to scare you because you're supposed to put your faith in God. But you it needs to. But if it would scare you into a fear of God and repentance, that is what I want. Because we have been lax. We have been comfortable. And God is tired of it. It's, there's no more space for comfortable American Christianity. Okay, so these are the words. You have been concerned with your children, America. But what about my children? Speaking from God's perspective, you have been concerned with building your houses. What about my house? You build your kingdoms and keep your best from me. Did not Yeshua, all the Torah and the prophets, command you to give your best into my hand? You forsake the poor in your midst and leave the widows in the streets. Where will my spirit find rest while you cry for revival? Revival won't come to a lukewarm nation as yourself. But if you humble yourself and concern yourself with my sheep to feed them, then I will feed you, house of Jacob, with the grapes of the field, the fruit of my spirit. I will not withhold my hand of blessing from you, and you will be the light I called you to be. Here, O Jacob, you need your father's instructions and your son's spirit. And when I say the father's instructions, it's God's instructions and the son is his son, Yeshua. You need his, the spirit that he left us. All right. So that was the message. That is what the father put on my heart to share. Now, there are there there's a few points from that that I just want to mention. And the first is that America's people are very concerned with their own kingdoms, the American dream, as they very famously call it. They're very comfortable. And so they don't focus at all on discipleship. And the churches is a picture of that in the American churches. No discipleship is taking place. Very little. I would like to remind you that when Jesus asked Peter if Peter loves him, Peter was saying, yes, Lord, I do. I do. But why, why are you saying this? And and three times our Messiah, Yeshua, he said, feed my lamb, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He's saying, if you love me, if you really, really love me, Peter, feed my lambs. That means baby Christians and then feed my sheep. That means mature Christians feed them from being a lamb to being a grown up sheep and all the way through their lives. Disciple, disciple, disciple. 
That's the message. Disciple America, disciple. Because God has blessed America. God has blessed America with wealth. And that brings me to my second point. And that is that God has America is an extremely wealthy nation. But that wealth has been gained in greed and is not being used rightly. It is not being used to feed the orphan, the poor man. There's many people extremely rich while the poor are poor. And that is only growing bigger. And that's part of why this judgment is occurring. And in our personal lives, brothers and sisters, we need to all exercise this, these principles to not be greedy. It's easy to point to the big CEOs when we ourselves and our lives have the same issues. Now, listen, I said a lot of things now about countries and you need to understand that just like um, the prophets of old spoke about Israel and they spoke about Israel's big issues, it doesn't mean that there aren't good people in Israel. It doesn't mean that Israel, all people are are guilty of these things. So in the same way, not all the countries I mentioned, all the people in them are obviously guilty of all the things I mentioned. There are good believers in all of these countries. And that's why I'm making this video for them to watch. And so because of this, though, we can turn things around because we are believers, because we, the righteous, are in these planes in this world, in Egypt, if you will, we can intercede on behalf of the people. Now, this brings me to the conditions on being saved. And what I mean by that is when I started this video, I said that when Israel was um, in Egypt, right, and the plagues were coming, they didn't all automatically just get saved because they were Israelites. You're not getting saved because you're a Christian. You're not getting saved because you identify as this or that thing, or you say that you believe this or that thing. That's not what gets you saved. I'm sorry. It's not what happened. They had to, like I mentioned, physically follow the instructions and words of God. In that case, it was entering their homes. It was putting blood on the doorposts. It was isolating themselves inside the homes. Okay. And Then the death angel came on the final plague and killed the firstborns of Egypt and Israel's those who did isolate themselves and put the blood on the doorposts. They did survive. They were saved. But the Israelites who did not do that, who said, oh, this is just fear mongering. They were not. Okay, brother and sister. So do you understand the importance of being wise and actually doing what God said to do? So one of the first things that we need to do is repent. Like we said in the beginning of this video, if my people will humble themselves and repent. And you may think about all these things I'm saying and you may say, well, PD, it's a good thing. I don't I am not guilty of these sins. I am not part of the world's sins. Okay. I want to ask you the question, though. Are you sure that Yeshua's blood is on your doorpost? Are you sure that you are not guilty of any accusation? Are you sure that you have you have a totally clean slate and there is nothing that anyone can bring against you if you were to stand before God today? Okay, that's the question. And I'm sure that all of us can be honest and say, no, we all have failed in one part. So we need to repent from these things because we are entering the season of Passover where this is essential. But not only that, God actually commands us and it is biblical to actually repent on behalf of 
our, uh, the world around us, our countries that are causing these, that are in these sins. I want to write to you what Daniel wrote himself. The prophet wrote, and I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord, my God, and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from the precepts and from your judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and to the people of the land. Daniel the prophet, sackcloth, ashes, fastings, coming before God, saying, We, we, we did all these things. Our kings, our fathers, we did not heed what the prophets said. We did not repent. Father, forgive us. What about the story of how Moses interceded for Israel when God wanted to turn around and kill all of Israel? Moses comes and said, no, Lord, please have mercy. God, if you want to take them out, you need to take me out too. have mercy on them. And God, God had mercy because his righteous interceded. Brother, sister, some of you wants to see the world burn. I'm telling you, that's not the, that is not Christ's heart. God is not about that. The the heart of our Messiah is to stand in the gap. And that is our mission too. Like Moses did, like Yeshua stood in the gap for you. You stand in the gap for those too. For those who are just as guilty as you were in the past. Because we were all guilty. And we, we were all there hating God. But now that he has set us free, now we will go and we will intercede for those who have not had the revelation yet. So that's the first part of first condition of being saved is we need to repent of our sins because we need to be clean because you can't dare putting Yeshua's blood on your doorpost if your house isn't clean. You want to put his blood on your doorpost. You need to make sure that everything in that house is clean, that your house is clean, that you don't have sin in the counter, that you don't have something in the fridge. You don't have something under the carpet that you're hiding, something in the closet, no skeletons, nothing like that. If you have something that blood is useless to you, it is actually disrespectful and trampling underfoot his sacrifice. Do not dare putting blood on your doorpost if your house isn't clean and you haven't asked for repentance thoroughly, not for just you, but for the world around you too. Okay. And then I want to talk about something else that I, um, just about, I think about a week ago, one to two weeks ago. Okay. I was, um, in fastings. I was in prayer. Okay. And, and one night I was, as I was getting into bed, just about to go to sleep, I, I just, just got into bed, just literally landed my head on the pillow. And as I did, I had a flash, a clear as I am seeing you flash, not in my mind, nothing like that, an actual flash, a white flash that consumed my vision with bright white light, an open and actual vision that I saw with my very own eyes. Okay. And I saw a cross, And I saw someone's hands hanging off the two beams of the cross on the left and to the right. It was like I was seeing the cross from the from behind. 
and it was up and it was like almost on a hill. Okay, and obviously we know, okay, that's the cross. We know what that means. But the reason I am mentioning it is because that vision actually caused me to put in this part that I'm going to say to you now, because that's what the father communicated to me. So just listen, the cross is a picture of what happened when they were in the Exodus. We have Moses and the Exodus with the Israelites and we have the Israelites complaining about their situation of being in the wilderness, having um, little food and water and all these things. And they want to go back to Egypt and God strikes them with a plague. And the snakes start biting the people and the people um, start dying. And then God tells Moses when Moses starts interceding for the people, God tells Moses to take a snake, a serpent, put it on a, a staff and put it up. And when the people looked upon it, they would be healed. That is a picture of the snake sin being put on the pole or whatever. And the people, they were complaining. They had sin on them. That sin caused them to get a plague and they got healing from the plague when they looked upon the sin, when they looked upon that snake. And that is a picture of how Yeshua ultimately he bore our sins. The sin was placed upon him, right? He all this. He didn't deserve it. Okay. But he, it was placed upon him. He is innocent, but it was placed upon him. And everyone who looked upon that snake. But then ultimately we know that it means looking upon the one whom they have pierced because we all have pierced our Messiah. Then they got healing. And now we need to look upon the one whom we have pierced. And so why this is important, especially with regards to the coronavirus, is because of something very significant. The coronavirus, okay, it actually means crown virus. Corona is crown. It's the crown virus because the coronavirus actually looks like a crown. That's why I called it the crown virus. Now, you need to understand that what the coronavirus is, is it's basically like a counterfeit to the actual crown that we, the saints, have. The crown of the saints is the righteousness that we have. The righteousness both that is imputed to us through the Messiah who has died for us, as well as the righteous works that are our own as a result of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us and empowers us to do righteous works and be obedient to his instructions. Okay, so that is the true crown. And that word crown actually in the Hebrew means something amazing. When we break down the Hebrew letters for the word crown, it is it says the following. It is the eye encircles the highest person to see revelation. And so in what case would the eye encircle that highest person? It is in the case of the Hebrew wedding within the Hebrew traditional wedding. The one that we basically me and my wife, Christina, did ourselves. There is a tradition which is thousands of years old. The, the bride would walk around the groom. So this is what this talks about is we need to encircle our highest person, which is Yeshua, to see revelation. 
That is what we do in this time. We need to keep our eye on the one we have pierced. We need to keep our eye on the highest person and encircle him while we do so. We need to keep our mind and everything focused on him in the midst of this coronavirus. Because what the coronavirus tries to do instead is invoke an incredible fear in the hearts of men because we see it in the world of panic. It's crazy, right? That's one of the things that this virus actually does is it's is it's this virus, well, this spirit, if you will, causes incredible panic and fear. And the whole world is what is the world doing right now? The whole world has got its eyes on the coronavirus like a bride about to marry a bridegroom. The world is almost like they want to marry this virus so much as that's how much they're looking at it. If you open the news, it's just Corona, Corona, Coronavirus, right? It's like it's all in the newspapers. But what is supposed to be in the newspapers is the fact that we love God and we are looking onto him. That's what our world is supposed to be publishing is our God right about him. But we never see that. But in our lives, we are. That is what it's supposed to be in your life. Are you being taken over by just reading about this thing 24 seven, freaking out, panicking, having fear, devouring you? Or are you keeping your eyes focused on the king and having a fear of him? It's having a fear of God, because if you fear God, there's no room for fearing anything else, because a true fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And the beginning of wisdom means I am dead to myself. I am dead to this world. So I have nothing to fear. This world cannot. Therefore, is your sting. This world cannot touch me, cannot do anything to me. I am simply here for the purposes of God and that's it. And then I leave and I take I take the exit and then I'm going to be with my father. That is what our perspective needs to be. Brother, sister, some of you are panicking and you're so afraid of this thing because you have one foot in the world and you're trying to have one foot in the kingdom of God as well. There is no more time for that. That is part of what this this separation that God is bringing us about. He is using these things to cause a separation. He is saying, who are you with me or not? Are you gathering with me or are you scattering? Where are you going? Are you going to serve this coronavirus or are you going to serve me? What is the crown that you will wear? And so I want to read to you Proverbs 16, 31. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. In Proverbs, it is actually the gray hair that people get when they get older that are that is like a picture of a the crown that is gained in a righteous life. That means that when you are and guess what this virus, okay, this virus attacks the elderly more. It is they're more susceptible to at least at least to the virus. Um, we have a higher death rate in the elderly, according to the preliminary statistics that we've been getting. But this virus does not have authority over the righteous. I'm going to say that again. This virus does not have authority over the righteous who has a crown of God on them. It only has been given authority over the unrighteous. So when you are a righteous man because of the righteousness imputed to you through Christ, you believe in him. You have trust in him. You need to re- you need to repeat this promise of God in Proverbs 16, verse 31, that gray hair is my crown of glory. It is gained in my righteous life, not just by your own works, but by what he has done in you, his righteousness imputed to you. 
And that is the promise that you stand on. Therefore, this virus is not allowed to take your crown. So I say this to all my elderly, anyone or anyone who has gray hair, you may not need to be elderly, anyone who has gray hair, okay, who who is in a place where you are afraid, you're saying, oh, well, this thing is, I am more susceptible to it, whatever. Do not allow this fear to come in. Okay, that's what the world, that's what the enemy, that's what, that is what is desired for, for you to think. No, you have promises of God. You have a crown of glory he has given you and no virus can take it away and don't let it. Unless you give it away. If you give your crown away, yes, but it can't take it without you giving it away. So keep your eyes fixed on that highest person that you are going to be encircling for revelation. All right, so now we're going to move on to the second part here. And this is the second condition, if you will, that Israel needed to follow when they were um, basically wanting to get saved from these plagues. The first, like we mentioned, was repentance, making sure your house is actually clean before trying to put the blood on the doorpost. And the second part is actually going in and putting the blood on the doorpost. And secondly, not just putting the blood in, but secondly, staying in the house. They had to isolate themselves. That was the instruction of God. Now, with this whole um, outbreak and things that have been happening around the coronavirus, many people have been wondering and speaking about quarantine versus going out. Many people have been criticizing churches. Many people have been saying, how can churches close? They call themselves churches. How can they say they close? You know, or... You know, if you're a true believer, you're not you're not supposed to be quarantining yourself. You should just go out and pray for people. And look, I understand this the, that zealousness and the zeal right from that perspective. And and I um, I respect that. I, I actually I'm excited in some ways that people have such zeal. However, we can have so much zeal for the spirit and works of the spirit that we lack the truth. Now, please listen to what I'm going to say, because I'm just going to say what the Bible says regarding the situation, how we are supposed to respond to this. We're going to look at some biblical examples regarding it. So first off, I want to remind you that, you know, sometimes we get very zealous for praying for people and it's great, but God does inflict judgment upon people and nations, even in the form of illnesses. And I know that is not something we love to hear. I know it's not something we love to recognize, um, but it's biblical. Deuteronomy 28 verse 22. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation and fiery heat and with drought and with blight and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. This is written in Deuteronomy 28 verse 22. And this is one of the things that God says. There are many things, but this is some of it that he says will happen if you do not keep his commandments. If you forsake his commandments, he says that you will have wasting disease, fever, inflammation. All these things take over your body until you die. This is one of the curses that comes from sin. When we don't keep the law of God, because sin is transgressing the law of God. Okay, so God does cause plague sometimes. Am I saying that all things are caused by God? No. But I am saying that God does sometimes. The flood of Noah caused by God 
because of the ungodliness in the world. When God told Noah about what would happen in the coming flood, did Noah just go and say, okay, well, I'm going to pray for the people, but I'm not going to isolate. I'm not going to make a ship. I'm not going to build this boat. No, he, he did both. He both, I'm sure that he did. He prayed for the people. He prayed for God's mercy on them. He interceded for them. He probably wanted them to come and join him. But that didn't stop him from actually going and being wise for him and his family from isolating. And of course, like we mentioned with Passover, they isolated from the angel of death. When the angel of death came, they stayed in their homes. And if there was any Israelite, no matter if they were a believer or not, if they were a believer even, and they left their house in the middle of the night when they shouldn't have, and that angel of death came, they will be swept up with that death along with the firstborn of Egypt and Pharaoh's firstborn. Because it's about being wise and doing what God said, and also being uh, having faith at the same time. It's both faith and works. And then when another example is Ananias and Sapphira. When Peter came to them, remember, and uh, they lied about the what they tithed, basically, what they gave, at least the offering that they gave to God. And what happened? God struck them. And Ananias and Sapphira, they just fell down and died. Did Peter then try there to resurrect them from the dead, pray for them to get resurrected? No, he didn't. Why? Because he knew that this was God's judgment on them in that moment. That was God's will. God was the one who did that. So, brothers and sisters, we have things happen because the fall of the world, the fall of man, we like uh, the, the fallen world we live in. And we have things that happen because God does it too. And so we need to be in tune with what is God doing? What is his will? Because then we can work with it. Another example is Miriam that was struck with leprosy. And I want to read this one to you. Numbers 12 verse 8. God speaks and he says, Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. And then when the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became white as snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, please, God, heal her. Then the Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spit her in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days and the people did not move on until she was brought back. So we have Moses doing things. Now we have Aaron and Miriam coming and against what Moses is doing. And God comes and says, who do you think you are? I instituted Moses as the leader and Miriam is struck with a leprous skin disease that is described by scripture as being infectious. And then what happens is Aaron repents. So the sinner repents. Then we have Moses, the righteous man, repenting on behalf, basically interceding. And then we have God coming and saying she will be healed if she isolates. So we have the importance 
of the unrighteous repenting, the righteous repenting and interceding for the unrighteous, which we are supposed to do for the world and repenting ourselves. And then we have finally Miriam, who had this infectious disease, isolate for seven days. Why did why did God tell her to isolate herself for seven days? Because God's very instructions tell us what to do with infectious diseases. In Leviticus 13, I encourage you, I'm not going to have time right now to go into it, but the whole chapter of Leviticus 13 is the laws on leprosy or infectious disease. And God basically tells us how to deal with infectious diseases. Now, we need to understand that this is thousands of years old. Today, science has caught up and we know, oh, yes, what the Bible has taught us thousands of years ago. All right. So we know that this is true and that what is good to do is if there is a a skin disease, what the Bible teaches, if there is a skin disease or any viral infectious disease, anything like that, is that there needs to be isolation or what we call today quarantine. Many believers speak up and say, no, we don't do that stuff. We have faith. I tell you that you're being unbiblical. God commanded us to do quarantine. He said that if there is someone who has an infectious disease and they know it, it's identified. They need to isolate themselves, go outside the camp. Go and be away, be in your home. And in today's age, we can be in our home. We have thick walls and you stay in your house. You do not leave it if you are infected with something that can cause harm to other people so that others are not harmed by what you carry. So that because this is a viral, look, this is a viral disease, infectious disease that can spread to others, just like leprosy was. This is what the coronavirus is. So that means that if you are infected, if you may be infected, you isolate and quarantine yourself. The governments are saying this because it is actually, believe it or not, good for society. They are actually saving lives. The government is not trying to work against us by causing a quarantine. They are trying to save lives. Brothers and sisters, there are people who believe that the coronavirus is a hoax and that it is no worse than the flu. I am telling you today that that is not true. That is actually bearing false witness and you need to repent from saying that because you are causing lies to spread. This disease is not like the flu. We don't need to go to the media because the media may lie. Yes, yes, I understand the media is blows things up into panic and I'm not for panic and fear, but I am for truth, even about realities like this, not just truth about the Bible, but truth about what is reality and true. Because if you don't know what true and reality is around you, how will you fight it? How will you know how to apply the Bible to it? So this disease, the the, the mathematical models predict that we will see hundreds of thousands of deaths in the first year in the UK alone if quarantine measures are not implemented. If quarantine measures are implemented, and I thank God that they are starting to be implemented according to how the Bible teaches, what do you know? then we will see the death rate decrease to probably around tens of thousands of people from hundreds of thousands to tens of thousands. And if we have God's grace, maybe we only see a a couple of thousand die. 
that's being very optimistic, you may say, but I believe in repentance and what and the power of God over these things. But we need to repent because it is our unrepentant hearts that have caused this to begin with. The problem with this virus is that our medical systems and I don't care how nice you think your medical healthcare system is, if it's the US or if it's the UK or wherever you are, any Western first class society medical system, nothing will be able to bear this virus when it hits and there's no quarantine measures taking place. You do not have enough ventilators in your country. The, the people will not be able to be kept alive. I am saying these things not to be causing fear, but so you understand the reality. The problem is, is that the hospitals will be overwhelmed. That means that people are getting car accidents who have uh, other things like cancer or who have other um, even smaller issues will not be able to get the care they need and may suffer permanent consequences, God forbid, because of it. So we don't want our hospitals to get overwhelmed. The way we slow the virus down is by quarantining people so that it doesn't spread as quickly. So the hospitals have breathing room. Speak to any healthcare professional and they will tell you the exact same thing I am telling you right now. The people who are working in ICUs, I pray for them because that is a that is an amazing job right now. But it is also a place where where they know what is coming. So we need to be stopping ignorant about this. Start being proactive. Start, start implementing what the Bible says. That means isolating yourself. If you think you have even the little bit of thing that looks like the flu. It means that you so do social distancing. It means that you distance yourself. This disease is highly infectious, much more infectious than leprosy was in, in the first century. So we will take the precautions that the, that the, the healthcare officials are telling us. They are not telling us it merely because they want to put us in martial law, believe it or not. Now, I want to say, though, that yes, it is always the case that in these disastrous situations that Governments play on panic as well, some government officials, and they will try and pass laws that are um, that they, they, they try and sneak by and then they leave those laws in permanently. We need to be awake to that. I think it is important. But do not think just because there is that possibility that all these measures being put in place is just to get us. No, it is actually biblical, as we just discussed. God actually told Miriam to isolate herself for seven days because that is what the Bible, what he got already said in the Bible in Leviticus to do. Because if Miriam did not do that, she would be spreading that leprosy to other people. And now you may say, well, Petey, what about Jesus? He came to heal leprosy. Yes, we have Jesus coming. He uh, came to heal the leprous man in the New Testament, as we all know, and it was beautiful. I love that story. There is no law in the Bible against praying for someone with an infectious disease. Okay, there's no law against praying for a leper or someone with coronavirus. There, of course, there is no. So, yes, we, I encourage, I encourage this. This is an opportunity. We need to take advantage of this because the Holy Spirit rule, reigns and rules powerfully in situations where miracles are needed. That's what he is for. He is a miracle worker and he does his works, his miracles in situations where miracles are needed and miracles are needed today. So what did Jesus do? 
He came to this man. He prayed for him. He made him well when this leper was was being repentant and wanted healing. And then what did he say? Go and show yourself to the priest according to the law of Moses as the Torah instructs. So that you can be a testimony to them. That's what he said. So even in his obey his 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 obeying of his own words of going out and praying for the sick, he still did not do that while throwing out the law about what to do with the sick, with those with infectious disease, which in this case, in Leviticus 13, at least the law Yeshua was referencing was show that they need to show themselves to the priests after seven days to confirm that they are actually clean so they may go into society. Our Messiah, the one who he knew, I promise you, he knew that this guy was healed. He didn't have a doubt in his mind. He knew this leper is healed. He didn't tell him to go show him to the priest so that so that Jesus can have peace in his heart that the leper actually was healed. No, he did it so that the law of that he himself, because he and God is one, that he himself gave in Leviticus regarding what to do with infectious disease. And that is to make sure that you quarantine, then you get yourself um, tested, checked out, make sure you're clean, and then you can go free. Okay. So with the coronavirus, we know that if right now what the health officials are saying is 14 days is very safe. If after 14 days you have quarantined yourself, you can go out, you can be in a less quarantined situation again. Okay, because um, that's how this virus is shedding. This is what they know. So we can apply this, then we don't need to necessarily get tested again if there are no tests available before leaving absolute isolation. Um, but as far as we can, we will do the testing because that is how we test. And in Leviticus 13, it, it, it was about going to a priest to test if you still have the disease of leprosy. And today it is about going to your healthcare provider if it's available and getting a test done there. The world is, is going to be rolling those out more and more. I pray it's going to happen more and more so that people can get tests. So back to Yeshua, he told the man to show himself to the priest for two reasons. To number one, obey the law that he actually gave because he was not going to go pray for the sick and then break the law by just telling this leper he can go back and say hi to mom and dad. Because he first had to obey the law of isolation and showing himself to the priest. And then when the priest declares him clean, he can go. And so then secondly, it was as a testimony to the priests, like Yeshua himself said, as a testimony to them, because then the priest could say, wow, there is a miracle that has taken place. And that was testimony of his presence even there. So in conclusion, in terms of quarantine versus can we pray for people? We can do both. We pray for the sick. We pray for those around us who are sick. And if God leads you, go and pray for people, right? Do it. But if you have a little bit of a flu, if you have any kind of symptom, you quarantine yourself according to the laws of the land right now, which are 14 days in most places. And you will be obedient to that because we are instructed to obey the governing authorities. And if you do not obey your governing authorities where they are not in contradiction to the Bible, in which case here they are not. 
If you do not obey the law set up by them, you are disobeying God. Both Peter and Paul wrote that we are to be obedient to our governing authorities. Unless, of course, they disobey the word and ask us to do things in contradiction to it. But today we are not talking about that. We are talking about governing authorities right now who are actually doing us a good service in trying to put in quarantine measures, just like the Bible tells us to do. And so now I want to just talk about um, our emotional dispositions. We have things on both spectrums. We have people panicking. We have people being careless. The panicking people. I just want to speak to that first. Okay. We don't need to panic. If you die to yourself, like I mentioned earlier, to pick up your cross and follow him, your life is not supposed to be your own anymore. You're a slave to Christ. You are supposed to live for his kingdom and his kingdom alone. That means that your life is but a vapor that appears for a little while and disappears forever. And that little vapor that it is, you will make it effective for his kingdom because it will fade and disappear. So whatever the outcome, you will not fear this thing because you fear God more. You have a greater fear of what he has said. And his word is the beginning of wisdom. Luke 17, verse 33. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. Whatever loses his life will keep it. So if you still have fear and panic about this, this is a good indication that you have not died yourself adequately. You need to die to yourself. And if you haven't get baptized, now is the time to get in the water, get baptized, get raised again, like with Christ. So you can leave your old life behind and get a new life in Christ. And so that you don't live in panic, but in freedom. He did not. He made us free, not slaves to fear, but simply a slave to Christ to have the fear of God in us. Okay, and now I want to talk about the carelessness. In Isaiah 8, verse 12, we read the following. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Do not dread it. Yahweh of armies is whom you shall regard as holy. Him you are to fear. Him you are to dread. So with regards to this pandemic, right? There is a lot of people going on, and I've seen this, especially on places like social media, Often people are going all over a lot of believers, too, and just posting a lot of conspiracy theories about how the governments are trying to kill the world and all kinds of things. OK, I'm so many different ones right now. Here's the thing that I want to just caution you on with this all. If you are not 150, actually 200 percent sure that what you are saying as that conspiracy theory is absolutely true with your evidence and with the two to three witnesses as scripture mandates, then you have no business proclaiming it as truth. Because if you do, you are responsible for invoking fear, misinformation, lies, being a false witness. And this is unbiblical, unscriptural, and it is sin unto you. We need to be so careful about what we proclaim as truth. Do not call everything a conspiracy that the secular world calls a conspiracy, because right now there are many believers doing so. And it is invoking fear in people. It is invoking more dread than anything else. Because brothers and sisters, here's the thing. Listen, this is important. Satan also uses conspiracy theories. I know that's controversial. I know that's like, what, Peter, are you kidding me? Yes, he does. 
And I want to say more often than not, he does. Satan uses conspiracy theories for number one, distraction. People get so distracted. My whole Facebook feed is full of people talking about conspiracy theories about why, how, how this virus. But no one is talking about repentance. No one is talking about getting rid of their leaven, their sin, their pride. No one is talking about any of these things. Stop with your conspiracy theories. Get on your face and repent of your sins. Stop with the spreading of misinformation and fake news without your evidence because you are doing the work of the enemy. I am saying it how it is. Stop it. We need to be careful, brothers and sisters, because we start doing the work of the enemy when we proclaim these things as true when we have no such evidence. It is okay to speculate. It is okay to be cautious. It is okay to be careful and wise. But do not proclaim these things as truth when it isn't, you do not know it is. That is what I am cautioning you against today. And then on the second level, being careless in terms of saying this is just a flu. And if, especially if you are a young person, someone who is not autoimmune compromised, someone who has not uh, got underlying diseases, if you're someone who is not elderly, etc. If you're not in these risk groups, Okay? It is easy to become lax and careless. We need to be careful. If we have fathers and mothers, grandpas, grandmas, friends, people around us who are elderly or who are or older or who have underlying diseases, we have a responsibility to be careful and to implement these isolation measures. Because if we carry it, we are fine because we just have a little bit of a flu. We have just something small and we carry it to them. We go to them and we give it to them. We are guilty. We need to be careful if we know what we can do, but we do not do it. We are guilty. If a leper, someone who knows he has leprosy, someone who knows he has something he can spread, goes and touches everyone, goes and just tries to spread this disease. That man has blood on his hands because he is disobedient to the law that God has given us in Leviticus. It is not abolished. Yeshua said it in Matthew 5, 17. I did not come to abolish it. That's why he kept it and he told that leper to obey it. We need to be obedient. We need to be careful. We need to be all about promoting a life. Because we serve a God of life and life more abundantly. So we proclaim the gospel. We proclaim repentance. We repent ourselves and we heal the sick and we isolate ourselves where necessary. We practice social distancing. This is wisdom. This is not about faith versus wisdom or faith. It's not an opposition to one another. We have faith, but we also implement the measures, the wisdom that God has given us. It is twofold and we pray for each other. My email inbox is open. If you need prayer, send a message to the ministry and we're going to be praying for you. And in this time, in this, the coming weeks, I'm going to be doing live streams and we're going to be praying for people. Okay. And we're going to see mighty miracles happen. And I'm going to pray for people in the real life as well. Okay. It's all happening, but we're going to be wise. We're going to let the Holy Spirit guide us. We're not going to be so zealous that we are careless. Okay, because that is not how we see Noah did it. That is not how we see Moses did it. That is not how we see anyone in the Bible, including our Messiah, do it. Okay, 
Yeshua laid his hands on that leper. That leper was declared clean. If you go and you lay your hands and, and someone is declared clean, glory to God, let it be. And I, I, and I know God is going to do it. I invite the Spirit of God to do that. But we are going to be wise as well. So, brothers and sisters, go to the Father between you and Him. This is a personal relationship. You need to ask Him, Lord, how am I going to be a light in my community in this time? How am I going to be a light? How am I going to be... How do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do it this way or that way? You need, I can't tell you case by case specifically. You need to ask him. You have a relationship with him. Be filled with the spirit and walk by the spirit and walk in wisdom. And so I am going to be putting out another very important teaching after this one soon. Teaching on this coming up spring feast, focusing on the feast of first fruits. The feast that I haven't really focused on a lot before. It has to do with the resurrection. And I'm also going to be doing it in context of the things going on and around the world right now to give even more guidance specifically to you and your family on how to be keeping these feasts in um, relation to the things that are going on around the world right now. Brothers and sisters, I know there are many worries right now in many of your hearts. Do not fear. Do not panic. Do not um, make decisions by panic. Do not stop giving for God. Do not stop giving your life, your finances, your thoughts. Don't give it to, to the enemy. Don't let your life be dictated by the enemy. Let your life be dictated by the one true God whom we serve. And that is it. If you start bowing one part of your life to the enemy, everything else is going to start bowing. If I stop giving to God my offerings every month, I am submitting to the enemy. If I stop giving my my prayer time to God every day, I am giving in to the enemy because my fear is overtaking me. If I stop giving whatever it is that is that it is that you've been giving to God, if you start taking that away from him, that's actually playing into the hand of this thing of what the enemy wants. But in, in, instead, rather let this be Turn it on its head. In fact, pray more. Start fasting for you and your nation. Start actually giving more. That is what we, I'm just going to say, that is what we are going to be doing. Start giving more to the Father in His kingdom. Pour out your lives for Him in this time. This is a time of deliverance, revival, and waking up because this is the year of the Holy Spirit. This is the year where His Holy Spirit is going to move. And His Holy Spirit moves most powerfully when things don't go perfectly comfortably well. I have been saying it's the year of the Holy Spirit since last year. 2020 is going to be that and it is going to be that. We will stand up and not be afraid. May God bless you and keep you. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I pray right now, Lord, for everyone who is listening to the sound of my voice. I thank you, Lord, for confidence in you. We command every spirit of fear. Every spirit of the coronavirus is trying to instill fear in your people. We command it to leave. In the name of Yeshua, Lord, we speak to anxiety. In the name of Yeshua, leave. Lord, I thank you, Lord. The stock market does not determine how we view you or anything in this world. The stock market does not determine our emotional state or if we have fear or not. We are free from fear in the name of Yeshua. I thank you. This disease does not determine it either. 
Lord, I thank you in the name of Yeshua, Lord, that we will walk as you walk, would walk in this season because we're filled with your spirit. And I thank you for your divine wisdom and faith and empowerment in each and every one of us in this season. In the name of Yeshua, I pray for every sick person and the sound of my voice with whatever disease, illness right now. And we command it to be made whole. We command, we curse every viral infection, every disease, every illness and the sound of my voice. And I thank you, Lord, for the armor of God. Lord, that armor, that that shield of faith, that sword of the spirit, a breastplate of righteousness, that belt of truth, that helmet of salvation. And I thank you for feet that is quick to run to proclaim your gospel. In the name of Yeshua. Amen. May God bless you. And I'll see you in that next video about the spring feasts soon.